Chapter Eight of Beauty's Hour, a Fantasy, by Olivia Shakespeare. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Eight. I woke the next morning with something of that indifference to life, which is the secret of so many peaceful deaths. Mary Hatherley was condemned. She had but a brief hour left, and I knew not how she was to spend it. I only knew that she had to bid good-bye to Gerald Harmon. The present hung before me like a veil. I could see the dim future moving behind it, a spectral army of figures all in grey, but they marched, this colourless procession of the years, with a monotony that grew into peace. The thought of Mary Hatherley hardly troubled me. I did not care. I had passed through many deaths since that night when she had been born in all her beauty. For, is not every step we take in life a death in the imagination? I had held beauty's sceptre, and had seen men's slaves beneath it. I knew the isolation, the penalty of this greatness. Yet I owned that it was an empire for which it might well be worth paying. I held no theories based on mere sentiment. I owned that beauty might not possess all things. Yet the woman who has not beauty neither has nor pays. To this philosophy, or cynicism, I know not which to call it, had Mary Hatherley's experiences brought me. I spent a strange day at Lady Harmon's. The familiar place seemed unreal. In a week or two I should be gone, and all my days there would fade into the past, for I knew that I had no real hold on the lives of any of them, having come only as it were by accident into their midst. When they had treated me with as much kindness as was consistent with their education, their traditions, and the world in which they lived, Betty would marry one of her many lovers, and Clara some one who fed her intellectual vanity and gerald i held my heart in check at the thought of gerald i had met him first as mary hatherley in a crowd it seemed like the logic of fate that i should take leave of him in a crowd for our relations belonged to no world of peace and quietness but to an order of life where beauty with her attendant pomp and circumstance moved to the sound of music and under the glare of a revealing light. That evening we did not dance. There was singing and stringed instruments. We moved about white stately rooms, where the music followed us like a memory. I spoke to many people, and knew nothing of what I said. At my heart was torture, in my soul, peace. The rest of the world was blotted out when I saw Gerald coming to me. At first he spoke but little. He had the desperate air of a man who is determined to know his fate, and his silence was charged with suggestion. We stood for a long while near the musicians, and the aching sweetness of one of Schubert's melodies pierced me with the sword of pain and pleasure wherewith music wounds her lovers. The whole measure of my grief seemed contained in that searching, divine air, in the human, passionate note of the strings, 
in the purer more radiant tone of the flutes and hoboys then gerald looked into my eyes and said let us come away and i went blindly with him through the rooms till we reached a door that opened into a garden the night was hardly cold and very still only a faint throbbing from the faraway streets lay at the heart of the silence and troubled it i could see the outline of gerald's face in the starlight he said nothing but took me suddenly in his arms and kissed me and in that moment i tasted the essence of life then he let me go now send me from you if you can if you dare said he tis i who am going i said i am in earnest answered he and i must have your answer oh my answer i cried is easily given i do not love you i can add something to that which you will not acknowledge you have never loved me you loved my face but of my heart and soul you have known nothing i had not meant to say such words to him i had meant to let him go with something like a benediction but my bitterness rose up and made me speak it is true i love your face he said quite gently but more than that why are you so unkind to me then there came a wild moment in which i was near telling him all and asking him if he could not love the soul of me and take no thought for my body but i paused and remembered i had resolved never to let him know i am not as unkind as i seem i said it is kinder to tell you the truth i am not made for love or to be happy and have children i must live apart do not ask me why i cannot tell you i shall not forget you i hope you will forget me at least think of me without pain and now good-bye i moved away is this your last word are you going to leave me so he cried out i stopped then and looked back at him the notes of a violin came through the silence like a shaft and struck at my heart they mingled with a woman's voice in a love song i went to his side i have one last word to leave you i said to him you will forget me when i am only a memory go back to bella for you loved her he said nothing and i was glad of the darkness which covered my face i turned back into the house leaving him standing there and went away bidding no farewells i sat through that long night and waited for the dawn and when the dawn came i kissed the wonderful reflected face of mary Haverly, and wished her a long good-bye oh face of my dreams i said it is well that you should go back into nothingness your hour is over each moment held a possible joy a surer pain a brief triumph a long regret let me decline into the lesser ways of life where beauty's flying feet have never passed but where peace may be seen stealing a shadowy figure with eyes looking towards the sun 
End of chapter 8 And End of Beauty's Hour A Fantasy By Olivia Shakespeare Thank you for listening.